You're in Romans chapter 12. We'll be there in just a moment, reading those verses. Uh, Last week, we discussed prayer, as was mentioned a moment ago. And I've been encouraged because I've had uh, several that have come to me and said, Preacher, we are so excited about the prayer team getting uh, ramped back up, the prayer line uh, moving forward. This week, Lord willing, is the date that has been set aside to get the, uh, the new phone system, which should put our our prayer line back up, and then by the first of the year, we pray that uh, we'll have much of what we have had, uh, we talked about, back in full function. And so if you're, you know, I, I encourage you to do this. I had someone ask me this week, hey, can we, can we go ahead and start praying with someone? And I thought, no, you can't do that. It's not time yet. You can't pray with somebody yet. And I scolded that person and told them, I can't believe they're trying to, to get ahead of the situation. No, I didn't. I said, yes, you can pray with somebody early, okay? So, you know, it might be cool if you feel led to call somebody you know and say, look, let's, let's just try. Let's start this, you know. You, Monday through Friday, let's call one. What's a good time for you? What's a good time for you? Let's spend five or six minutes praying each morning. Uh, that would be a good thing to, to kind of get ready for what is coming uh, after the first of the year. So I was excited about hearing some really neat things about uh, the, the message on prayer and the prayer team that we're going to be starting soon. Now, I've been looking forward to this message. I, I believe this is timely uh, with our services going to two morning services. Uh, I think it's going to be the second or third Sunday of the new year. And with all of that kind of coming together and being organized, and uh, we're going to be recruiting workers in the month of December, the very first of the year, asking you to uh, identify places you can serve. Of course, the idea is to choose uh, to worship either at 9 o'clock in our service like we are right now. We're worshiping together. We're, we're attending uh, the corporate gathering together. There's, a, there's music. There's preaching. There's a few announcements. And we, we pretty much enjoy this time for about an hour and 20 minutes or so, an hour and a half, here in the auditorium. Well, when that goes to two services, we're encouraging our congregation to serve in one and to worship in the other. All right, so you choose kind of one or the other time to serve. Uh, if you uh, have a small group, then you would attend that small group at 9 o'clock, and you would attend worship uh, at 10.30, or I should say uh, 10.45. We're going to move it up 15 minutes for the transition. And then, of course, the evening service will just become a small acoustic worship service in the uh, music room. And we've had a lot of meetings about that and discussed that. We'll give more information about that, and we'll get in the groove of, of the new schedule, which is not a whole lot different than the old schedule, to be honest. It's really just... Uh, the idea, the concept of being able to serve on Sunday mornings in a ministry because you need that opportunity. And here's why. Because God has uniquely gifted you for his service. You see, what has happened is oftentimes I think we have somehow gotten the idea that clergy is to serve and laity is to sit. And it's easy to get in that, in, in, into that rut. It really is. It's just super easy because, you know, this is our job. And this is, this is what this person does. This is what the pastor does. This is what, uh, you know, Miss Sonia does. Or uh, th- this is what a worship leader would do. Or uh, they, they are gifted in, in children's work, so they teach in the children's ministry. But me, hey, I'm a businessman. Or, uh, you know, I do this. Or I do that. Or, I, you know, I've got, I've got some things I do, but... I just basically go to church, and I, I sit, and this is kind of my time to, to get filled up and to get ministered to. But we miss it, because God doesn't differentiate the clergy from the laity when it comes to serving Him. That's a man thing. 
I don't know where it started. I don't know how it got started, but I want to put an end to it just in case it is present uh, at all in our, in our church. Uh, God does not separate clergy from laity when it comes to being in the ministry. I'm, I'm probably guilty at times of saying, you know, God called me to the ministry. Well, wait a minute. God called all of us to the ministry. Every single person under the sound of my voice is in ministry. Let me go farther than that and say this. You're in full-time ministry. If you're a plumber, you're still in full-time ministry. If you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus and you've accepted him as your Savior, you are an ambassador from heaven with a, with a commission to, to spread the gospel in your workplace. And there's all I could go in a lot of different directions with that. But we're about to read in just a moment what the Lord calls, get this now, stay with me, our reasonable service. God calls something reasonable service. In other words, literally interpreted, he would say this, it's your logical ministry. It's just logical that everybody who is a Christian would, would do ministry. You know, I believe so many Christians are floundering in their Christian life. I really do. I see that not only in our church. I see it in other churches. They just so, don't seem to be fulfilled. There's not that true fulfillment. And, and many are wanting to know, what does God want me to do? And you hear this often, you know, I just don't feel connected. And I know that sometimes can come through a small group or as we called it, Sunday school. I know that can come through those things. But can I tell you the best way to be connected to church is serving in the church. And, and that's where true fulfillment comes. I don't want to sit, soak, and sour. I want to serve. That's what I want to do. I want to serve you. And I believe that you have a place here to serve the Lord in. And so here's the question this morning. Do you have a ministry? Do you personally have a ministry? Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. Specifically, defined, clear ministry. This is what I do through my local church. Regularly, I'm devoted to it. I'm committed to it. I'm disciplined in it. I don't miss it. If I do miss it, I find somebody else to take my place. Do you have a ministry? I believe the hour in which we are living in church is desperate. The hour in which we're living in is ripe. And I believe we can have a revival that cannot be explained in the city of Hot Springs. I believe there is rumors and tumors, if you will, of, of a working of God in our city amongst God's people. And I'm convinced that we as a church cannot sit by unconcerned and apathetic about what God wants to do in the city of Hot Springs. And so I am seeing today, in spite of all the sin, in spite of all the debauchery in our country, I am seeing an awakening hunger to spiritual things. I'm seeing that in our congregation. There seems to be, hey, I'm seeing that in me. An awakening hunger for spiritual things. I, I want more of God. I want to do a better job of pastoring this church. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a... You say, well, preacher, you should feel that way all the time. Well, I haven't, and I apologize, and I repent that there's been times when I've been cold. There's been times when I've been lukewarm. Have you ever been that way? Does anybody ever know what I'm talking about? Just kind of get in a rut. Anybody been in a rut before spiritually, or you've just always been 100% on fire for God? We're always... You're with me. But lately... Lately, I've, I've felt a renewed energy and a spirit of revival in my own heart to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that people are asking this question again. Who is the answer to my problems? And we have the answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. 
And so the hour is late, but I believe that the hour is right and ripe, and we are in a race against time. We're in a race against sin. We're in a race against Satan. We're in a race against self, and we need to find out what is the ministry that the Lord Jesus Christ has called me and my wife and my family to. What is that ministry? How can that ministry impact this city? How can it impact my neighborhood? How can it impact my church? How can the ministry God's called me to impact my family? And so I want to give you four principles of this. And I want you to follow me. We'll go, we'll go quickly, but we'll also go very clearly so that as you continue to think about this, as you continue to study it this week, I want you to go farther with it. I want you to take it to the Lord in prayer, maybe beginning today. Uh, I want you to talk about this in your small group. I want you to feel led to call me up and say, Preacher, before the end of the year, you and I got to have a cup of coffee. That's all there is to it. And guess what? We're going to have a cup of coffee. All right? And we're going to go to mugshots. Amen. Yeah, get a good plug-in from Mugshots on Airport Road uh, there, Brother Stephen. But we're, we're going to have a cup of coffee. You need to do that. If by the end of this message, you are interested and, and to find out what is my ministry, where can I serve, then let's get together. Let's talk about it. That's, that's the goal of today's message. So here's the four principles. Let's begin with laying a foundation, okay? This first one's going to lay a foundation. So you've got to get this first one because this is where it all starts. It's the principle of lordship in your life. Who's first in your life? Who sits on the throne of your heart? Is it sports? Is it golf? Is it work? Is it money? Or is it the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, when it comes to serving the Lord, this is very important. This principle is the foundation for discovering your ministry. All right, Romans chapter 12, are you there? Let's read it together, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, your logical ministry. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. All right, let's notice a few things about the principle of lordship. First of all, let's notice that God is requesting something from us. God is requesting something from us. He says, I beseech who? You. I beseech you, brethren. This is what God is saying here. God is saying this to Eric Capace. I beseech you, Eric. I beseech you, Ezekiel. I beseech you, Robert. By the way, Robert today is 80 years old today. Can we give him a big hand for reaching 80 years old? I am so thankful for you, Brother Posey. I love you. I appreciate your devotion. You're an amazing Christian, an amazing husband, an amazing dad. Keep on keeping on. God bless you, brother. I love that, brother. I beseech you. I beseech you, brethren. God today is looking at you in your seat where you're sitting, and he is saying, hey, I have something that I am requesting of you. Think about that. The God of the universe, the God of heaven, he is interested in what I'm supposed to do with my life. It's unbelievable. There's not many people that are truly interested in, in what I'm supposed to do, but God is. God is interested in what you do in your church. He, he loves the fact that you have a place that you worship, but he wants you to have a place that you serve too. See? And so God is beseeching you. Notice, first of all, that God is requesting something from us. I beseech you, brethren. Notice, secondly, 
that there is a reason why he is requesting something. And the reason is this, the mercies of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. God says, I'm begging you. Paul says this, I'm begging you. Listen, I beseech you, I beg you, if for no other reason, because you are not getting what you deserve. Would you please listen to me? Because all of us, he says, we all deserve to spend an eternity in a place called hell. But because of the mercies of God. Amen. I beseech you, therefore, but here's the reason. He came to save us. He died to save us. He rose to save us. And he lives to save us. And he's coming back soon and very soon to take us home. You say, well, I know. I, I, I know all that. And that's because that's I'm a good person. You missed it. No, it's because of the mercies of God. It has nothing to do with your goodness. It has nothing to do with your character. It has nothing to do with the fact that you are a nice person. It has everything to do with the fact that you were a sinner on your way to hell. And Jesus loved you enough to come and die for you. And because of his mercies, we're saved. Amen. And so this is a beautiful passage of scripture to, to, to get us to realize that, that we need to wake up to, to what it is God wants us to do because of his mercies. The reason he is requesting this It's because of the mercies of God. Then thirdly, I want you to notice the requirement. And the requirement is to present our bodies a living sacrifice. He says, this is required of you. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. There is no really choice here. This is not a suggestion that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, church, listen to me. He is not going to make you do this. He's not going to make you do it. There's no draftees in the Lord's army. Every one is a volunteer. Did you get that? You're not drafted into this thing. You're not made to do this. You'll do it because you volunteer to do it. He says, present your bodies. In other words, it's personal. He says, listen, it, it, it's me. It's, it's me God's looking for. Present your bodies, yourself. God wants your body in the body. Are you, are you ready? You are somebody in his body. I like to say it like that. The body of Christ. God says, I want you to take your hands, your eyes, your feet, your legs, your health. I want you to take what, what I've given you to serve me. And I want you to use it for my glory. So present your bodies. Notice he also says a living sacrifice. Do you know what the sacrifice was back in the Old Testament? It was an animal that was slain and placed on the altar. And so Jesus refers to it like this in the New Testament. He says, I want you to die to self. The way that you're going to serve me is to present yourself a living sacrifice. God more than I want to watch TV, more than I want to sleep in, more than I want to, you know. You see, this is why people don't want to commit. They don't want to commit because then, well, what if I want to do something else? Well, if I sign up for that preacher and you say that if I miss, somebody's going to have to take my place. What if I want to miss? Well, you see, when you present your body a living sacrifice, you die to self. Oh, there's vacations and there's times you... Are away, I understand that. But you see, when you 
are serving Jesus in your local church, the most important thing becomes, becomes I'm going to be committed to what God has called me to do. Amen. Are you with me? You see, God doesn't separate the clergy from the laity with this. God doesn't say, okay, you get this many absences. No, God says, listen, just be faithful. I understand you may miss from time to time, but if you present your bodies a living sacrifice and die to self, then before the deer woods comes church. Amen. And, and I just throw that out there just not to be cantankerous or ugly or funny, just, just to be honest. A living sacrifice. We commit to this thing. And then he says, holy and acceptable. Now, what does that word holy mean? H-O-L-Y. Well, in this passage, truly, it also is connected to another word called holy. W-H-O-L-L-Y. In other words, holy and acceptable. God does not accept a half of commitment. You see, W-H-O-L-L-Y means God wants 100%. God's not interested in you saying, well, God, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll halfway commit to this thing. I'll sort of do this. I'll, well, God, you know, I, I'm okay as long as. No, God says, hey, I want you to be completely and totally consecrated to the ministry that I have called you to. And so here's the question today for all of us. Does God have all of you? Does he have all of you? Why does he just have a portion of you? Well, God's, I'm here, right, preacher? I'm here. God's, I tell you what, God's got me right now. He may not have me next Sunday. I, I may have something else. I, he may not have me next, but I'll be here. Uh, he's got, uh, you know, I'm about 50%. That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. What does God have? Does he have all of us? Or are we just playing church? It's just a good thing to come to. It's fun. The music's nice. The pastor sometimes tells a really cool story. He's a nice guy. I've known him all my life. And so, hey, I really wouldn't know where else to go on Sunday morning when I'm in town. Are we just kind of playing the social club church thing? Or is this big time thing? Is, and, God, and here's the thing. This has got to be something between you and God. This is called discovering your ministry. And then God goes on to say that there's something else about the sacrifice. That sacrifice that was slain and placed on the altar. Listen, don't miss this. It was bound. That, that sacrifice wasn't going anywhere. Did you know that? In fact, I read somewhere where they said when they placed the sacrifice on the altar, there were two flesh hooks inside the sacrifice that were hooked up to the altar where that sacrifice was bound. And I got to thinking, what is the two flesh hooks in me? Why have I been here 22 years? Why am I not going anywhere? Why, why do I feel that, 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 listen, I want to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is my reasonable service, which is to be serving you here at Gospel Light. The two flesh hooks in my life are this, discipline and devotion. Discipline and devotion. I'm devoted. I want you to know I'm devoted come hell or high water, right, wrong, or indifferent. Hey, as Dave said, I may not be perfect, but I guarantee you one thing. I'll do my very best to apologize when I make a mistake, to, to, to keep on going, to do my best, to have the integrity that's needed, to keep my life clean and pure and away from pornography and immorality and those kind of things that destroy so many preachers. I'm going to do everything I can to be devoted. I'm going to be disciplined because sometimes I don't feel like getting up. I don't feel like coming to church. I don't feel like preaching. I don't feel like doing what I do. I don't feel like 
like it. But I know this. Sometimes I've just got to pull out my bootstraps and say, Eric, hey, get off your pity party and get out there and do work for me. Amen. So devoted and disciplined. See, those are the flesh hooks that have kept me here for 22 years. And Lord willing, will keep me here for another. Hopefully not 22, right? <laughs> I don't want to get too excited. I don't want to say 22 yet because you good night. That'll put me at 72, right? Or 71. All right. 32. Yeah, all right, 32. Thank you. So, so are you committed? Are you bound to the altar? And then finally, notice the result. What is the result of this going to be? Well, if God is requesting something of me, and, and, and then the reason is the mercies of God, and the requirement is present your bodies a living sacrifice, then what is the result? The result will be, verse 2, look at it. And be not conformed to the world, but be transformed. So number one, the first result will be transformation. Notice the results will be transformation in our lives and a renewing of our minds. So transformation, what does that mean? Well, that word means this, change. Are you with me? Change. That means whatever right now... Is, is, is causing me to be in a rut spiritually, in a rut serving the Lord. I'm just, I'm just kind of, yeah, I'm, I hate to admit it, preacher, but I'm a sit soaker and sour. I'm not really serving right now, but I want to get out of this rut. Well, you need to change. You need a transformation. Hey, let me give you the, the long, fancy word for it, metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Hey, you've heard about the butterfly, right? Or about, rather, the caterpillar, right? The caterpillar and then what? The cocoon. Right? And then the butterfly. What is the inner nature of the caterpillar? It's the butterfly. It, that's, that's the true inner nature of that. It may look like a caterpillar, but in reality, that caterpillar is going to become a butterfly because that is the true inner nature. The metamorphosis that takes place in a caterpillar's life turns out to be a beautiful monarch butterfly. What is the inner nature of you and I? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is in me. And guess what? The devil doesn't want to happen. The devil doesn't want my inner nature to come out. Because if my inner nature, which is Jesus Christ, who is in me, the hope of glory, if Jesus comes out, then this world's going to see a difference in my life. I want my life to be a light to those around me. I want my life to be that roadmap that says home. I want my life to be. A beacon on life's raging sea. I want the world to see Jesus when they look at me. And when the world looks at me, do they see Jesus? And when the world looks at me, what do they see? Do they see hope? Do they see love? Do they see charity? When the world looks at me, what do they see? I'd rather see a sermon than to hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk the walk than merely show the way. The eyes are better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. And the best of all the preachers are the ones who live their creed, for to see the good in action is what everybody needs. I can soon learn how to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, but your tongue too fast may run. And the lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, so I'd rather get my lesson by observing what you do. For I may misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act and how you live. 
You see, what this world needs is to see Jesus in our lives. Jesus, the metamorphosis, it happens, it's an explosion. It's like, what is going on in their life? They're so different. They've been transformed. Now, how were they transformed? All right, by the renewing of their minds. It's all in how you think, church. You see, God knows how important it is that we think in a, in a biblical pattern. Look at the next verse. Just, I just saw this this morning. I really, I wasn't going to even use verse 3 in my sermon. But then I read it this morning again. And it says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. I, I saw that word three times and I thought, that is how God renews our minds. We humble ourselves. We're not a big shot. I'm not a big name preacher. I'm not a big shot preacher. I'm not some guy that deserves to be up here. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God that because of the mercies of God, I just get blessed enough to get up here by his grace and speak. And, and, and listen, church, we, we don't need to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. Well, I'm not going to work in the nursery. I own a company. That's where you need to be, changing diapers in that nursery. Well, I mean, I don't want to stand out in the parking lot. It's cold out there, wearing one of those funny-looking yellow jackets. That's, you know, good night. I, I make six digits. Well, humble yourself and stand out in the parking lot and open doors for people driving cars that, in the 1970s. Amen. I know it's been a while, but it'd be good for you. Hallelujah. Humble yourself. Well, I don't want to stand by the door. Well, the Bible says I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my Lord. Just stand by the door, pass out flowers. But I'm better than that. That's your problem. You see, you think too highly of yourself. Listen, church, do you know where we'd be without Jesus? And so we've got to renew our minds. We've got to get off this thing of, well, I really don't know where I want to serve. What, what kind of position do you have where I'll get noticed? What kind of position do you, do you have? Is there anything I could do around here where I'm the decision maker? You know what? Let's just find out what our spiritual gift is, and let's get plugged in to that place, you see. So, the result is transformation and renewing. I've got to go quickly. I've taken too much time. I've got 10 or 11 minutes. Are you ready to go fast? All right. Then there's the principle of membership. The prin- principle of membership. Now, what does it mean to be a member of Gospelite Baptist Church? I don't normally do this, but in just a moment, we'll have uh, a family joining our church. In fact, uh, they'll come. I'll introduce them in just a moment. But Jonathan, uh, John and Sandy or Sandra Souter, right here, are going to be joining our church. So here they are, going to be new members in, in just a few moments. We'll, we'll recognize them as new members here at Gospel Light. So what does it mean to be a member? Folks ask that question. What does it mean to be a member? Well, all of you, many of you, most of you are members. Not all of you, but most of you are members. So what is the principle of membership when it comes to serving in the church? Well, let's talk about that. First of all, look at verse 4. It says, real quickly, it says, um, For as we have many members in one body... And all members have not the same office. That's pretty easy, isn't it? So we've got many church members in one church, right? But not all of us are the same. Make sense? Okay, verse, verse 5. So we, that's all of us, being many, that's all of us, are one body in Christ and every one members one of another. So here's how it works. I belong to you and you belong to me Because we both belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. I belong to you. You belong to me. We are one. Because we both belong to Jesus Christ. We need one another. And God made us different that he might make us one. Every one of us 
is gifted in a unique way, in a special way, to make up this particular body of Christ. And I'm not supposed to make it without you, and you're not supposed to make it without me. We need each other. Let me give you this big statement. You're never going to find your ministry outside of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're never going to find your ministry. I know this is one that sometimes is uh, argued and folks say, well, I don't believe in the organized church. Well, what do you believe in, the disorganized church? I mean, there's nothing wrong with the organized church. Jesus established the church. He organized the church. It is an organism. It's alive. It's well. The gates of hell should not prevail against it. Yes, there is a universal church that we all belong to who are saved, but there is also... A local church, individual churches. That's why there are many churches in Hot Springs. Why? Because we can't reach everybody. They have unique giftings and maybe a unique way to worship. And there are are churches that that people say, you know what? I I like this church. And others that say, "I, I like that church. But we're all one. Amen. That's what we're beginning to understand here at Gospel Life. If we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Amen. And he's the only way to heaven. So all that to say... Where is our place in the organized church? Well, let's talk about number three, the principle of stewardship. What is the principle of stewardship? Well, look at verse 6, 7, and 8. So having then gifts. Ah, gifts. What's, what's, what's this all about? Differing. Different gifts. According to the grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth, on exhortation. Uh, He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, with diligence. He that showeth mercy, with cheerfulness. Now, in those three verses, we find seven basic gifts. And I want to give you those seven basic gifts quickly here. And I want you to slowly identify those gifts. Now, what I have done is I've taken a pen and, and my notes, and I've said, well, this is probably... My main spiritual gift, number one. And, and then probably I would say of the seven, this would be number two. I could go ahead and probably identify that I have some of all seven. But some are magnified in my life to the point where that's just who I am. That, that's where my strength is. That's probably what I need to be doing in this church. Because this is the area, even though I may have some of the others in, in a percentage. So God has given everyone a spiritual gift. And we've got to be a good steward of that gift which means we've got to make sure we use it. Number one is the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is a gift. That's the ability to speak for God. That's probably my number one gift. The ability to preach or the gifting to stand in a congregation or in a jail or maybe to preach in a nursing home or to preach at a youth conference or maybe a revival meeting. Uh, To preach, to speak, to prophesy, you see. Maybe in a camp somewhere where God's called me to preach. Number two is the gift of ministry. That means simply this, serving. I think all of us have that gift to an extent, but, but listen closely because serving can, can be in every single gift. I can preach this morning and I'm serving you a message. I'm serving you a meal called a sermon, right? But yet this type of, of, of ministry is serving, such as possibly uh, maybe serving on as a deacon or serving as a volunteer secretary or serving in the bookstore or serving uh, in a benevolence fashion, maybe helping in this area, serving as a choir member, serving as an usher, serving in the church in a particular area that can be identified maybe in one of these other gifts. Then there's the ministry of teaching. The ministry of teaching. There's many ways to use the gift of teaching. You can use it in small group. You can use the gift of teaching maybe uh, in, a, uh, in, in a Christian school. 
you can use that gift of teaching in a, uh, in a setting where as a me- uh, member of our church, you are uh, teaching uh, girls uh, maybe uh, in, in a, in a how, to, how to be young ladies, men how to be men. I mean, there's a lot of ways to use the teaching gift. You could use the teaching gift by speaking at, a, at, at particular times, maybe to a, to a portion of our church in an in equip group about marriage or finances, teaching. You love to teach. That's something God's given you the gift of, teaching. Lots of ways to use that gift. Then there's the gift of exhortation. This gift is the gift that God gives us to encourage people in the Lord, to get people fired up. The gift of exhortation. A lot of times we find that counselors have this gift in the church, to just get folks believing in themselves again. Hospital visitation, someone who can walk into a a room in a hospital and just encourage someone who is not doing so well. And when you leave that room, they feel like it's okay. The gift of exhortation. Do you have that gift? It's an encouraging gift. It's an exciting gift. And usually it's a gift that gets people fired up. What about the gift of giving? All of us have the obligation to give, but some of us have been given the ability to make money. I wish that everybody realized they had a responsibility to give. But those of you who have the gift of giving can help us to make up for those who don't give at all. Because you can give more. And you've just been given that gift. And you've been given the gift and the ability to make more money and to give more money. And that is a gift. And I like to call it, it's kind of the over and above giver. This person loves to give over and above. And they can make a lot of money, but they love to give a lot of money. And then there's the gift of ruling. This is someone who's not a boss, but someone who's organized. He, he's someone who can lead a committee. This is someone who maybe could uh, be on staff at our church or be in a leadership role. This would be maybe a coach. Coaching is a gift of ruling. Not bossing, but coaching is, it takes a lot of organization. It takes a lot of skill. Coaching, heading a committee. Then there's the gift of mercy. This would have to do with hospital visitation or benevolence or the bus ministry. That's a gift of mercy. These, these bus workers, you wouldn't believe where they go and some of the places, some of the people they minister to. The gift of mercy could be, could be lived out in a nursing home ministry. The gift of mercy. I like what Bill Gothard, how Bill Gothard illustrated these gifts in the body of Christ. He said this, he said, just for a moment, think with me about a lady who brings out a pie to a table, and we're all sitting around this table, and we've got different gifts, right? And so this lady brings out the pie, and she puts the pie on the table, and the pie falls off the table and splatters on the floor. And the person with the gift of prophecy says, you know what, if that pie wouldn't have been so close to the edge of the table, it wouldn't have fallen off. And the person with the gift of ministry says, or serving, says, oh, listen, that's okay. Let's just, uh, let's just pick it up, and we'll get it cleaned up, and, and we'll just go on with dinner. And the person with the gift of teaching says, let me give you seven ways how not to let a pie fall off of a table. And the someone with the gift of exhortation says, hey, it's okay. It's just a pie. It could have been the whole meal. Let's eat. And the person with the gift of giving says, oh, here's some money. Go buy ten pies. It's fine. It's just a pie. It's a few dollars. Here, take some money. Go, go to the store, get some pie. And then the person with the gift of ruling, or as I said, coaching, organizing, says, go get the mop, go get the broom, go get the water. Let's get this cleaned up. Let's go, let's go, let's go. It's going to take all of us. The person with the gift of mercy says, oh, that's okay. It's not a problem. It's just a pie. God bless your little heart. We need all those people in the church. You see, 
everything that happens around here will be attached to all seven gifts. All seven. You see, right now, as I administer the gift of prophecy, of speaking God's word, you are administering a gift as well. There are things that you are doing for this church that I can't do as good as you can do. And so as you begin to identify and say, hey, preacher, that cup of coffee, when can we have it? Uh, I want to find out what's one of these. I've got some questions. I really do. We've got a spiritual gift test that you can take. We can can go further. You may have already taken that test. You may already know. I may have just gotten into this list and you said, that's me. That's me. I need to find out where preacher, where this church, where gospel light, where the elders. What would they advise me to do with this gift that God's given me? And then finally... There's the principle of fellowship, and I'm done. Right on time. The principle of fellowship. Would you look at it with me in verse 9? Let love, oh, there she is again. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't love beautiful? She always comes up, doesn't she? Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to the other with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Ah. Uh, Look, look at these three words, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Here it is. We need to learn in this principle of fellowship to serve the Lord in the spirit of love. Serve God in the spirit of love. Hey, church, we're all different. God made us different that he might make us one. And we need to serve him with love, with compassion, with understanding. We need to realize that when you put these four things together, lordship, membership, stewardship, fellowship, when you put those four things together in the spirit of love, this church is is a strong and healthy church. I'm not saying this one is yet, but I'm saying this church right here in Scripture would be a strong and healthy church. So I ask you the question in closing. There is something God wants you to to do. What is it? God wants you to be a living sacrifice so you can prove what is that good, what is that acceptable and perfect will of God. Some of you already are pretty plugged in and you've kind of got that place that you're serving. But here come in just a few weeks at the first of the year, we're going to need 50, 60, 70, 80 more people. You see, what I envision is 10 to 20 people in the parking lot with yellow vests on. I envision that. I envision every guest that comes on the property for the next 20 years to be amazed at at just how there were people everywhere serving the Lord. You didn't have to look for anybody. You didn't have to try to find somebody to ask a question. There was just so many people everywhere. And nobody was just sitting. Everybody was serving. You see, when we come in this building, I want you to really have a good experience. I've asked Joe and Hoel to make sure that our worship team is prepared and they've prayed and that they've had meetings. And I I just don't want you to come to church and get a meal that's half cooked. I don't want to preach a message where you have to say, wow, looks like preacher just kind of, you know, I don't know. He didn't really use much Bible. He just told a bunch of stories. I'm not getting fed here. Oh, listen, I hate those words. I don't want that ever be said. I've heard it before. And I've asked God, Lord, if I did not feed that family, God, forgive me. My number one job is to feed and lead the sheep of God. And I just want you to know, when you come in this building, my goal every Sunday morning 
is that you have a delicious meal served in a beautiful atmosphere that you can feel as if this is a sweet place to worship. But can I tell you something? I need you to serve. Listen, folks. If that's all we do, we're pretty selfish, aren't we? If all we do is just come to church and say, feed me, preacher, feed me, feed me. Give me something good. All right, yeah, not bad. Give you better 9.3 today, not bad, good. And we just take off until next Sunday. What kind of difference do we make? Are we really impacting this community? Are you really discovering your ministry? God has a place for you to serve. I can't wait to see you in that place. I can't wait to see you in that place. And by the first of the year, my prayer is that everybody who calls themselves a member of Gospel Light has a place. Let's bow our heads, shall we?